Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's episode is with Dr. Crystal Glunchai. Now, she's a scientist, entrepreneur, and mentor with a passion for teaching and engaging kids, especially girls, in technology and entrepreneurship. She's the founder and CEO of Venture Lab, a nonprofit that runs experiential learning programs in youth tech entrepreneurship. She's also the director of the Blackstone Launchpad at UT and the director of the Texas Entrepreneurship Exchange at the University of Texas at Austin. As you can see, she is a certainly busy, busy, busy lady. Her work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Today Show, NPR's The Takeaway, Mashable, Medium, Silicon Hill uh, News, Rivered Report, San Antonio Express News, San Antonio Business Journal. And essentially, she's a rock star, and I'm excited to be interviewing her as she's got an upcoming book coming up, but she also has uh, a lot of insight as to how to engage our world today, a world of kids, the future leaders. Welcome to the show, Christophe. Well, thank you very much. That was a, a great introduction. Hey, it was your career, Dr. Christophe. That's, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> quite, quite impressive. You've got to tell me how you got started. I, I mean, I shared with you earlier that you know I started this podcast out of my my uh, longing and desire to help people embrace the global identity and connect people across cultures. But you have gone from stand-up to startup. You've been a scientist. You've created a whole platform where people and women in particular can actually see an opportunity for themselves. So how did it all get started for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, of course, everything starts in childhood. And that's something I, I want to create for other girls is creating a, an environment for them where they feel like they can do anything. And for me, it really began with my dad. Um, he uh, grew up in Mexico, really didn't have much money, had holes in his shoes, uh, came to the U.S. to study and make a better life for himself. Um, but at the same time, he ended up having three daughters. And so he had always wanted a boy and he ended up treating us like boys. So he had us playing on the boys' soccer team. He had us wrestling. 
changing, you know, the oil in the car, changing tires. If my sister wanted a dollhouse, he had us help it, help him build the dollhouse. So we really got this kind of hands-on, uh, I guess a hands-on childhood where we built things, we created things. If we were curious about how things work, we took them apart. So growing up, I never really saw the difference between boys and girls. I, I probably thought I was a boy for the longest time. And I just was never afraid to go out and try things. And my dad was just always encouraging us saying, you know, work hard, follow your passion, and you'll be successful. So I kind of, I just kept that mindset growing up. And when I went to do my undergrad in mechanical engineering, you know, I wasn't really phased by the fact that, you know, there were only five girls in a class of 500 guys. I mean, it was still intimidating, but I was like, hey, this is what I'm passionate about. Maybe it's not the cool thing for girls to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. And just kind of going, growing up as an engineer, um, working at 3M as a product development engineer, um, really seeing the lack of women engineers um, in tech, and also seeing how I was treated as a woman in tech, and then starting my own tech company. So I ended up going to grad school to um, study nanotechnology. Um, I was really passionate about uh, lung cancer and trying to find a cure for cancer. So I ended up commercializing my own research to create these nanoparticles and a nanotech company that would preferentially target lung cancer tissues and reducing the side effects on the healthy cells. And during this process too, I noticed, you know, where were the women CEOs? Where were the uh, women venture capitalists? It was still just a very, um, just not really diverse and sometimes a kind of an unfriendly environment. So that really led me to go and teach entrepreneurship. Um, at Trinity University in San Antonio. And I still noticed it was like pulling teeth to get girls into my entrepreneurship classes. Um, I was also housed out of the computer science department. So I saw so many girls dropping out of computer science, you know, whereas the boys would get a C and they'd be like, eh, it's okay, it's a C. The girls would get a C and they would think I can't do it. So that really led me to start teaching my own kids who at the time were four years old. I've got two girls, two boys, and I started teaching my girls a lot about technology, about entrepreneurship, looking for opportunities. And their teachers were just really impressed with how, how much more confidence they had. And that led me to start Venture Lab. And I thought, hey, if I, if I can recreate my childhood for other girls, if I can teach my own girls this, then we can teach all girls that, you know, before the age of five, they can learn to 3D print. They can learn to create websites or apps. And then they can turn those products into services and companies that can help society so that by the time they get to elementary school or junior high, they already have this built up confidence to believe in themselves and believe that they can do anything. Because if someone says, hey, well, maybe girls aren't good at math, they're like, I already 3D printed, you know, a whole bunch of products and made money and started a company. So who's going to say that I can't do it? And, you know, even now at my position at UT, you know, I'm working on a um, diversity incubator, really focusing a lot on women entrepreneurs. And my whole thing is just creating that environment for people to feel safe, to feel like it's okay to come up with silly ideas, to fail, and having that support to really go out and follow their passions. Uh, that's, sorry, that's, a, that's an incredible story. And the reason why I love that is, you know, Obviously, this is something that's very important to me. You, you, were, you said you were raised in a family of all girls. I was the oldest of three boys. And 
my mom's the strongest woman I know. And when you grow up as the son of a diplomat, you sort of, you know, you find yourself immersed in an environment where you're going to be the minority for the rest of your life because you're never quite Nigerian enough when you come back and you're mm-hmm. always something else when you go there. Uh, and you have, just talk about the accents. <laughs> you have several <laughs> accents and different languages. But it, I remember my first vivid experience of really understanding, you know, the strength of women and the, the actual um, inequality that that shows is, you know, when you, you go abroad and you sort of see the different cultures and how a lot of times women have assigned roles. And I remember mm-hmm. you know, I used to ask my mom these these questions like, hey, mom, why, why can she only do that? Why can she only do that? And she would tell me that don't ever tell, um, don't ever let a woman feel that way because if he feels like she's not enough, um, that's taken away from society and that's half of the world's population. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and I remember, I, and now that I do diversity and inclusion work and I work a lot of with, uh, a lot of my clients are tech clients. Mm-hmm. A lot of the women, when we get involved, they always talk about the lack of opportunity for them as they grow up the, the chain. So oh, yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. No, so I want you to talk about that because sometimes, you know, I <laughs> unfortunately, you, you have a lot of skeptics and I try to sort of put myself as annoying as it, as it is for me to put myself in environments where people disagree with me. But they're always saying, hey, women are they're up there in the, in the entry level positions. We just fight harder. Why can't they fight harder? What do you say to those people? Well, you know, you as a woman, you can fight harder, but it's such a balance, right? Because as a woman, if you are confident, if you are strong, you can come across as you, you're, you know, you're called bitchy as opposed to assertive. Right. And the higher up you go, the less women there are. So even just the environment itself becomes a bit uncomfortable there. I would say there's a lot of unconscious bias. So I, I don't necessarily think that the men in these uh, leadership positions or higher positions are consciously um, trying to, you know, make women feel the way they are feeling. But there is a lot of unconscious bias. And in those higher positions, you know, men tend to uh, I want to say they go with what they know, like they will end up going out to bars with friends or going out to work out with other male friends in the same arena. Whereas women necessarily, if you're in that group, you can't necessarily go out and do the same things with them. So you, you kind of lose out on that, that bonding experience. Um, I would just say there's, there's a whole bunch of little things that you can't quite point a finger to. It's very, it's kind of walking the line of blatant and unconscious. And so I think that's why it's so hard to explain Uh, I even find that I have a hard time explaining it, but I experience it so often. And I think it's also even in conversations, you know, I was just in a meeting and I think it was maybe 25 white guys and myself and I'm, you know, Hispanic female. And even I get intimidated sometimes to speak up in that large group. I feel like I really have to uh, bolster myself up to get my opinion out there. And, and when my opinion is heard, you know, sometimes it's, it's either shot down or not taken as seriously or maybe someone else, you know, another um, man will say the same thing right after me. And they're like, oh, John, that's a that's such a great idea. How how did you ever think of this? And so it's just little things like that that can be very discouraging. And I think for women, too, there's something called the trailing spouse syndrome. So, you know, a lot of times when men get a high powered job, the, the female spouse will, you know, move with them. And a lot of times when women are seeking, you know, opportunity or more leadership roles in different areas, um, there's actually studies that show that the the men trailing spouses do not tend to come along. 
So there's even more kind of uh, difficulties and hurdles for women in executive and leadership positions. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the other reason I brought my mom as an example, because as a diplomat, my mom was the one that tended to move with my dad everywhere, which is one of the reasons I always admired my, my mom, because I was like, mom, you, you're going to leave your job for four years or you're mm-hmm. going to have to retire. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it's just what it is. And she always managed to bounce back, but it wasn't at the same position. And that was something that was always frustrating because there has to be systems in place that allows you to, to, you know, not regress. And the, the interesting thing that you talked about, which is one of the key points you brought up is unconscious bias. So I, I do a lot of unconscious bias training. The fact that you said a lot of men, they, they bond towards working out and stuff like that. That's, that's very key. But there's also the elements that a lot of retreats tend to be golf, right? Or things yes, like that. Yeah. Th- yeah. That's, you know, people might not be aware, but that, that, that limits a bunch of people. It can limit minorities, mm-hmm. <laughs> can limit women. And, you know, yeah. not a lot of people grew up playing golf. And it's not something, even if you're not saying, explicitly saying, don't come on this retreat, then it's not something that people are interested in. And if a lot of deals are made on this golf course and yep. there's team <laughs> advancement, though, you know, simple things like that or parking and, you know, moving it a, a little distance or having early morning meetings and not taking into consideration that there might be some single moms and daycare and all that. So these are the. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say the the thing you brought up, too, I, di- I didn't br- mention that as well. But I mean, I'm a mom of four kids and I do a lot and it's very difficult. But it, I do feel like that part is harder for women, because even if we do work full time, you know, typically women are still the ones that are noticing when the kids are sick or really trying to organize doctor's appointments or nannies. And it's just, I have had a couple occasions where, where some of the men in leadership positions didn't understand that I might have to go pick up a sick kid or I might have to leave earlier. Maybe I can't do this dinner event on certain evenings. Exactly. So it is, it is very difficult. Yeah. And and that's, that's the, the key thing. And I'm so excited that you're on you to talk about that because a lot of leaders, a lot of men, they say, what, I'm just having an early meeting to be productive. I'm having, I'm being inclusive. I'm not racist, I'm not sexist. I'm doing this. But you know, when you you live in one world, it's hard for you to see the external. And sometimes you have to make sure that you you really are being inclusive by having so many see, uh, seats at the table. You know, mm-hmm. having people say, hey, I just made this policy. Do you see any holes here? I know. You, are there any things that we could maybe shift to make it more inclusive? And that way you sort of disrupt the system and you break all those quote unquote unwritten rules like, oh, this is Google stuff. This is Facebook rule. Um, but Speaking of uh, Google, I, I don't know if you heard, but there's a, there's a guy called James Damore. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he put out a Google memo <laughs> the other <laughs> a while ago. I want to say about a month ago. It was it was titled Google's ideological echo chamber. Now his um, his core arguments were basically that men and women have psychologically uh, differences that are a result of their underlying biology, and you know he said these differences make them differently suited to and interested in the work that is core to Google. So he, he was essentially saying, whether he didn't say it or not, he was talking about how men seem to be more superior than, men, than women, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is unfortunate. Uh, I, I wonder, though, in, in your opinion, how do you think that should have been handled and how can we get away from that type of thinking? Because he wasn't necessarily in a position of power, but people like him are in position of power and they think that way. And that's a dangerous thing. And when you say how how should that have been handled, what do you mean by that? Oh, well, I mean, and some people, 
you know, obviously he got fired, which was, I thought, mm-hmm. and some people were like, no, leave it. We need more diversity and inclusion. We need to have that dissent in voice. Um, and, you know, yeah. I'm just curious as to what your opinion is because, you know, yeah. <laughs> some people, some people were bringing free speech. I didn't like what he said. And mm-hmm. I, I tend to side with Google because I think I don't want you, I don't want you to have that, but I'm also in a diversity and inclusion field. And a lot of my clients always tell me, well, what about dissent in voice? How are you going to know? How are you going to keep yourself honest? So I'm just curious about your opinion. Yeah, you know, I think that's, there's, I don't think there's any black or white answer to that. Um, You know, we should be able to have free speech, but then when it turns into messages of hate um, or racism or sexism, I I really don't agree with that. I don't think that's a helpful (laughs) form of uh, free speech. But, you know, just with all of these, um, you know, the stories with the VCs who have been sexually harassing women, with C- tech CEOs that have been sexually harassing women, you know, um, tech companies know that there's a problem. And I do think they need to send a strong message to um, the world saying that, hey, we're not going to tolerate this. We're going to fix this. So if, if they are going to take that stance, then... I, I am okay with the fact that he was uh, fired. No, me too. And and that's, you know, I think part of being uh, an advocate for equality is being able to speak out, right? You can't perpetuate mm-hmm. a culture. If you want to shift a company culture, you have to rid it of bad apples. And that, I've look, I felt like Google did what they had to do. I'm sure they probably gave him a great severance package being Google. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole point is... Um, that was troubling for me was that there are more people like him who could be in power. And I, I, yeah. I've done this enough to know that there are people like that. I've, I've been in a meeting where someone really just vented out and said, I can't believe that I hired another woman because I knew she was going to get pregnant and now I have to go hire temp worker for the next uh, three months. And that's just frustrating. And she, he just said it out loud. Then the lady was in there and I was like, Oh wow. Oh my goodness. That's this not, is, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is, this is, this is, this is really not, um, this is not productive, but there are people yeah. that think that whether that's mm-hmm. unconscious and it comes out consciously. And this is the consistent argument that sometimes people put out to say, well, your biological differences. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Doesn't allow you to have equal pay, so stop complaining. And... Obviously, I fundamentally disagree with that, but how do you um, respond to those? Oh, no, I, I fundamentally disagree with that, too. Um, 
And I don't know if this completely answers your question, but you mentioned this too. You know, women are half the workforce. And Absolutely. if we want to improve our society as a whole, and it doesn't just go to women, it goes to everyone. It goes to, you know, um, underserved minorities. It just, if we want to improve our society as a whole, we can't leave people behind. We have to pull up, pull up that other half. And we need to make sure that, you know, if there are 50% women in society, then 50% of women should be represented in leadership or 50% should be represented in tech. Just it's just sense. that, yeah, it just makes sense. And I'm on the mayor's task force for institutional racism and systemic inequalities here in Austin. And, and we do a lot of work too, like on with unconscious bias and then going to our um, places of work. So it's a bunch of leaders and we're trying to teach others about this whole idea of unconscious bias and how can we, it's like you said, there there are structural problems and we need to be making leaders aware of this and, and putting them through unconscious bias training so that we can make sure all of our, our systems are working in a, an equitable way. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for the work you do. I think it's, it's super important and it's high time we start doing that. So kids, that's a big passion of yours. Um, yes. I, I, I believe firmly in developing the next set of global leaders. I spent the first nine years of my life in a military dictatorship in the last couple of years the world has felt like a military dictatorship but <laughs> yes. um you know but you know part of that is sometimes kids are impressionable when they see what is considered leadership and i'm excited mm-hmm. about what you're doing because you're helping to change that narrative why do you feel like it's important to really engage with kids at such a young age and how can we do a better job of doing that now well so for me you know i see what's going on um, in my situation. I see what's going on with women in tech with, you know, women not feeling comfortable in their work environments. And, you know, I tried to solve that problem at a college level. I tried at um, a professional level. And what I, the conclusion I came to is that we need to start with our kids. This needs to be, for me, it's a cultural revolution and changing a culture is going to take time. So, if I start with girls and if I start, you know, young, starting at age three, age four, teaching them these entrepreneurial skill sets, teaching them to be comfortable with tech, then by the time they grow up, they'll have that confidence. But at the same time, it's about teaching boys at the same time that girls are equally as capable. So if I can accomplish that and if I can, you know, so right now at Venture Lab, I have entrepreneurship curriculum online for free because I really think all kids to be successful in the future really need to have this entrepreneurial mindset. Um, but allowing it to be for free lets as many people as possible access it. So I think we have 42 countries. We have people across 42 countries using our curriculum. And this is helping to spread that culture change, teaching girls, giving girls that confidence, and then teaching boys that girls are equally as capable, and then kind of creating this new uh, group of women and men leaders that will create the future together. That's great. That's great. And obviously, this feeds into your, your book. Your book is coming out in April next year, right? Uh, yeah, May of 2018. Oh, so May. So, okay. So, May 2018. And it's called Venture Girls. And, you know, from what I got, the synopsis is it describes how uh, you can create confident girl leaders by teaching them entrepreneurial mindset. Why? Is this the similar thing that you've been talking about? Yeah. So, this is really my premise is that the entrepreneurial mindset is critical to um, really ender out. Uh, even out the gender gap, um, giving girls this entrepreneurial mindset really bring, brings up, it builds up their confidence. Um, it gives them a comfort with technology. 
It allows boys to see girls as equally as capable. Um, another thing, too, is just the fact that all kids, I think, are going to need this. You know, right now um, in our society, technology is changing at such a fast pace. You know, we've got all this, you know, virtual reality, advances in artificial intelligence, robotics. A lot of jobs that are typically done by humans are going away. They're going to be de decreasing in the future. So we're really going to need kids who will be able to go out and create their own careers and their own opportunities. So being able to recognize that, to be flexible, adaptable, to take some risks, um, kids will really need that entrepreneurial mindset to succeed in the future. No, I love that and love to focus on that too. You are a fascinating uh, lady. You are a woman of many talents. You've done so much. I was reading your bio and I was getting even more impressed as I, as I moved to the next sentence. And I, I've got to ask you, what did you do to manage your time as an engineer uh, and someone who's a mom? Yeah, well, actually, my, my husband really um, helped me a lot. I think it's really having a supportive spouse. Um, he's also a successful entrepreneur, and he really taught me the importance of delegating. Um, it's really, really hard because I, I can be very particular and I want things done a certain way, but um, to really kind of spread your message and do as much as you want to do, I think delegation is really important. So just making sure you have a lot of help and support. I think I also have become a master of scheduling work time and family time. I have specific times that I just, I, I really value family first and I try as much as possible not to eat into my kid time and my family time. So I think it's really, you have to actually have a strategy and a plan for making sure that you can uh, balance all of that, having a supportive spouse, and then making sure that you get the help you need. Wow, yeah. So balance, partnership, uh, and you know, basically making sure that you, you communicate what your goals are, even if you're a spouse, make sure that there's that uh, dual communication plan because um, you know, even uh, um, Wonder Woman had a team. Yeah. And also, I mean, you said balance, but there are times when it's completely out of balance. But that's okay. I think that's kind of how it ebbs and flows. I mean, sometimes I have fires that I need to fight at UT. Sometimes Venture Lab has things I need to do. Sometimes my book has things. So there, I don't think you ever get quite a balance, but it's it's close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, that was kind of a selfish question for me because I, I do, you know, I do a lot of these things. And sometimes people ask me, how do you find the time? But in the back of my mind, I'm always, my response is, oh, well, you know, I'm single, so I can do this more. But I, I always wonder, and I'm always in awe of people like yourself who are able to do it as married and mm, yeah. as parents. <laughs> so I, when, I, when I was asking, I was just um, listening. So yeah, now I know the, the balance might not necessarily come, but it's more about uh, delegating and making sure I, uh, you know, no, understand my priorities. So uh, yeah, planning yeah. and then making sure, like you said, it's, it's that communication, just constant communication with people about your goals and and even with your spouse. You know, making sure that you guys have the same the same goals. Like he's an entrepreneur; he moves at the same pace I do. So he he and I both kind of understand that. And it's for me, I too, I want to provide a good role models for my girls and my boys. Absolutely, absolutely. So I was reading uh, something about you. You went from stand up to startup. Is that you? Oh, that was a, a, t a TED talk I did. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm very, very curious. Uh, I think it's, doing stand up is one of the most, uh, it's one of the bravest things ever. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I think doing um, any sort of improv or stand up is, 
actually really key for an entrepreneur. It's learning to kind of think on your feet. Um, it's, you know, having someone throw questions at you and be able to easily respond. So it's something I, I, I took a class on while I was teaching at Trinity and I just found it so important because it really got me out of my comfort zone. I mean, I grew up as an engineer. I wouldn't say communicating in front of people was a strong suit of mine. Um, but it was, um, amazingly helpful. It was a great experience. And I actually, I think all entrepreneurs should try doing, um, improv or up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just the idea of being put in uncomfortable positions or having to think quickly in your feet, those are skill sets that you need as an, as an entrepreneur. Um, I've, I've interviewed a guy called Bob Colan and he, he's just an improv master and he, he had a book come out early in the year called get into yes. And, and his whole policy and process was you know that idea of yes and is, is something mm-hmm. that you, you can just apply to business and every day and even your presentation skills you know when you get thrown uh thrown off a loop because someone asked you a question that was not on the agenda and because you're so rehearsed you might feel like ah out of whack but if you're trained in yes and you can then play off whatever they're saying so i absolutely think it's uh it's key so i might look i think i should look into more improv i guess since i'm in new york yeah so improv <laughs> When actually one of my favorite movies, I, is it called Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Have you seen that? Uh, was that is that the one where he can only say yes or something? Yes, or, yeah. I know. I lo- so I love that movie because it it's it means you're open to opportunities. You don't could be that's the thing for me. It's like I love yes and, and I actually have my students do this. I'm like yes and because you don't know what opportunities are going to appear. Um, yeah. And I, and at some point you have to come back to a balance and start saying no. I think I'm right now I'm working on no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just I really love that idea of keeping yourself open to opportunities. Now, yeah, no is something I definitely need to learn how to do. So <laughs> I'm definitely with you on that boat. So um, okay, so we've talked about your story, we've talked about your background. I'm just curious, you know, someone like yourself who learned entrepreneurship and forty two at such a young age. What's next for you? I mean, I know you've got the book. What are you envisioning for the future? I mean, you don't sound like someone that's stopping anytime soon. No, I mean, I think my my real passion is making sure that we decrease this gender gap. And it's going to be continuing to work with parents and teachers to make sure we can grow confident girls, um, making sure that we can have kids that are prepared for our future. Because, I mean, I, I'm actually concerned for my kids. I I don't know what the future is going to be. And there's a stat that says 65% of kids in elementary school right now will not have careers that we can even imagine. So I try to think, you know, what, what is going to be important in the future? You know, climatology, artificial intelligence, um, you know, the, the new kind of mind computers where you can think something and it'll turn your house on. Um, so I just try and think about what it is, what is it important for kids to know in the future and how can I make sure that we um, are having an equal amount of men and women uh, present in creating that future and just doing, yeah, I think my passion is just really making sure that I, I see this change uh, in my lifetime. Good. Awesome. And what can we as men do to, to help? You know, well, I've noticed that a lot of the girls that I interact with, they have dads that are super encouraging. And I think some of the dads notice this too. They don't want their girls to be left behind. So Especially like if you're a tech dad or if you're in an executive position, bringing your daughter to your work and encouraging them in tech, getting them to like, you know, find a computer and take it apart, um, make a, a makerspace in your house. 
Um, and even just teaching them how to, you know, shake a hand confidently and look at people in the eye. So it's just, I think dads can really help in, in giving girls that confidence and exposing them to technology and leadership at the same time. Awesome. No, that, that's such a, that's a great point. I think that probably allows them to see themselves in those leadership positions. And it's, that plays in your subconscious. And yeah. Yeah. Um, gives you the confidence. Because there was a stat that shows that sometimes uh, the, the amount of women that do apply for engineering or go to engineering degrees sort of decreases as you grow up the education ladder. And that's because of somehow people subconsciously telling them that they should probably look at other jobs. And um, mm -hmm. I think we can disrupt that system. Yeah. Uh, I, as we're closing, I have a question that I, I ask occasionally. And in your case, I'm very curious. As you were doing all this stuff, um, you said, you know, you, you are, you come from a, a family, several cultures. Were there moments where you experienced extreme downs and in those moments, how did you discover yourself and get yourself back up? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple ones. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when I was a kid um, in elementary school, specifically in kindergarten, um, we mostly spoke Spanish in my house. And uh, the school district at the time didn't really have bilingual education. Um, so they wanted to put my sisters and I in remedial classes. Uh, but my dad really fought for us. Um, and I think at that point, I, I just, I felt really, I remember as a kid, um, people laughing at me because I remember not knowing what a stomach was. I knew it in Spanish. I didn't know it in English, but I just remember feeling very small and very, I remember feeling very stupid. And I think, you know, it would have been really sad had, you know, the school district decided to put, um, decided to put my sister and I in remedial classes because they would have, that would have really changed the trajectory of our lives and it really would have stinted it. Um, so for me, I just think, and sorry, I keep going back to entrepreneurship education, but I have seen how, you know, teaching students from other cultures or, you know, students that come from a really a low income, when I teach them this entrepreneurship mindset. So we, we had some girls that were teen moms and, you know, they lived in a home. They didn't have any hope for themselves. They thought, you know, they were going to be house cleaners. Maybe their kids would get a GED. And they went through one of my entrepreneurship programs and they all of a sudden, you know, they weren't hunched over anymore. They became leaders in their class. They got, you know, scholarships to college. Some of them became keynote speakers. And it's just it's really making sure that we give every kid the ability to um, pursue their fullest potential. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful thing. And you're right. You know, the potential is something that not a lot of people achieve. And it's because of stories that they've been told a lot of times or maybe they don't even realize that they, they can do so much more. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. The, the last question I ask is the mission statement of my podcast. It's called uh, Use Your Difference to Make a Difference. That's, that's what my personal uh, mantra is. That's why I, I do what I do, try to show people that they can actually use their difference to make a difference. I um, love that. That's uh, great. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kristal. Uh, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Well, I guess I use my difference to make a difference by, for me, it's serving as a role model. Mm -hmm. I want other girls and other women and women from different cultures to see that they can be successful, that they can follow their passions. And yes, it's scary and it's hard and it takes a lot of work, but just that they can envision themselves um, doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely check her out. Dr. Cristal is not only... 
a powerhouse right now, but she's uh, currently working to make sure that we have more gender equality. She has the accolades to back it, but she's got also the expertise to uh, to actually make that happen. So I'm really, really excited and grateful that you came on the show to share some of those things that you're working on. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, where can we find out more about you? Yeah, you can find out more about me at www.venturelab.org or the book at www.venturegirls.org. All right. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. And thank you so much once again. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Presson Falsies. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.